You're listening to Talking Tricks, the home of amazing stories from magic, circus, variety and comedy performers. Hi, we're Ken and Abel and we'd love to see you at one of our comedy and magic shows this summer. You can see us this weekend at the Glastonbury Music Festival. We're on Friday, Saturday and Sunday in the Theatre of the Circus fields at 2pm. Don't have a ticket to the largest music festival in the world? Don't worry. You can see us on the 29th of June at the Ludlow Fringe Festival. And in July, we will be at Fox Fest on the 22nd, Durham Fringe on the 26th and the 27th, and the Deershed Music Festival on the 29th of July. August, you guessed it, we'll be up in Edinburgh with our show Magician to Impossible and also performing in Absurd cabaret panel show check out www.kenablemagic.com for more on all those dates magazines really taught me an awful lot about about magic and mentalism uh, and again not simply the tricks but uh, in, in the case of magazines you get a good glimpse into the sociology i got very very drunk i think i went up and made a bit of a speech which was very slurred and i think there's a video out there somewhere which i had to get taken off the internet you're starstruck that that person's actually watched your act and thinks you're good it gets you big gigs and things like that actually it's a community isn't it it's a community the stage is huge and then you go to the back of the room and you look at the stage and it's dwarfed because it's just such a massive venue i put my brown underpants on that day Hello and welcome to Talking Tricks, a podcast previously presented by two magicians with the exact same voice. And we're coming back from a hiatus, but we've changed. Now, some of you may be listening to this for the first time. You don't even know what Talking Tricks is. You don't need an explanation about why we've been away for years. But some of you are thinking, what happened? Why did Talking Tricks go away? Well, when the world stopped because of the pandemic, so did I. I didn't want to, well, at first I wasn't allowed to go and interview people in their homes. And I didn't want to talk to people on Zoom. And I didn't want to just talk to performers about how depressing the pandemic was. So I felt like that was probably it for Talking Tricks. However, I forgot to cancel the RSS feed. So I paid £80 for Talking Tricks to be in the world to be able to publish new Talking Tricks. And also, there's a couple of Edinburgh shows I'd like people to come to. There's no better time to bring Talking Tricks back than now. But this is new, it's exciting, it's original. And um, this is no longer a podcast presented by two magicians with the exact same voice. It's just me, Abel, the hairy one of Cain and Abel. Brother Dearest during the pandemic fled back to the motherland, back to Shropshire. And he has declined the invitation to be part of this podcast. So I'm going to introduce our brand new host, the hostess with the mostess of Absurd, a live cabaret panel show. And when I say mostess, I mean most allergens. Ava Bo, welcome to Talking Tricks. I do have lots of allergies, that's correct. So we are going to kick off with basically the new podcast. You're going to be the new host. Yep. Along with me, each week we're going to be speaking to a brand new guest from the world of live entertainment. But all of these people are going to be people who either performed at Absurd last Edinburgh or are performing at Absurd this coming Edinburgh. But for the unwashed masses, Ava, what is Absurd? Tell us all about it. Uh, kick us off with that. So it is a... It does what it says on the tin. The full title is Absurd, a live cabaret panel show 
And that's exactly what it is. It's a cabaret show. We have a variety of cabaret acts, as you said. And then we also have it as a panel show. So we have everyone competing, the two teams competing for points to win glory at the end of each show. And uh, this year we've got some new things which we're adding um, to add the jeop- add a bit more jeopardy into uh, the need to win the show between the two teams. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we're we're of course so absurd. A live panel cabaret panel show will be on every day of, of the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, apart from Saturday nights, because we like we like to get effed up on a Saturday night, baby. <laughs> That's when we're drinking. Yeah, we, Mama's drinking on Saturday night. Drinking on a Saturday night, except we do have also because Wednesdays are our main show days off. Yeah. So there is the chance that we may have had a pint or two by the time the show comes around on a Wednesday evening. So we're going to call those Wild Wednesdays. Yeah. So you've got, those are a great night to come as well. So it's wet and wild on a Wednesday. It's yeah. not happening on a Saturday. Um, now, you were a guest on Talking Tricks ages ago. Yeah. Um, so people might feel the urge to go back and listen to that episode. People may have already heard it. Okay. But for those that don't know, um, who are you? What, what do you do? So I'm a full-time magician. I do a lot of stage magic. That's what I love the most. I also do all the close-up corporate magic gigs. Uh, I've got some cruises coming up for the first time. And uh, yeah, just general general magician, really. I love, I love doing stage shows. Quite a lot of my stuff is, if you've seen my stuff, you'll have seen a bit of dark humour uh, in the show. It's quite theatrical. But then I also do family shows as well. So a mix of everything, really. We've had a lot of street performers on previous iterations mm-hmm. of Talking Tricks. That's something you've just started doing. How's that going? Yeah, just started doing it. I've been, everyone warned me away from the pitch, telling me that all the magicians there were terrifying and that I had images of being chased away from the uh, Covent Garden performing pitch. But everyone's been lovely, uh, really in the clan now. Uh, starting to get bigger crowds and actually managing to hold an audience but yeah it's been probably one of the most challenging types of magic I've ever performed because you're not in control of anything you're not in control of the staging or if people are actually going to watch at all but it's a a new challenge I'm really really enjoying so yeah and also your podcasts are very helpful for anyone just just plugging the podcast more for anyone thinking about starting street shows, obviously you interviewed a lot of street performers. So listening to those is really helpful because people give some great advice and stuff that you'd never anticipate otherwise. Yeah, Charlie Caper, Paul Nathan, Paul DeBeck, mm. uh, Richard Philby were some of the uh, streeties that I can remember um, that we spoke to um in the previous series and they all gave great advice um and obviously you listen to those kind of pre doing your street shows but was there anything that still kind of took you from total sort of left field that you weren't expecting a sort of a challenge or a lesson that you learned um when you first started doing street shows that you weren't even prepared for I think I'm trying to think to be honest I think just it is just more difficult than you expect I think there's nothing that you're always going to be bad the first time you do it and I kind of thought that about 
corporate gigs and close-up work and stage shows, I thought the first time I do this, I'm not going to be very good. But you go out there and you can prepare enough that you can be all right. You can be averagely good as soon as you start. But with street shows, I think you just have to accept that you're you're not going to manage to gather a crowd to begin with. That's what I realised was difficult, was making the first 10 people stop or the first five people stop even. Because I think what I was doing before was coming across very salesy. You can't approach people. That's the thing I didn't expect. You can't approach people because they think that you're trying to sell them something. You have to get them to come to you um, and, yeah, look like you don't care whether they do or not. That's the British public. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you do. Ha- it is as soon as you seem too much like you want them to stop or need them to stop. Yeah. As soon as you kind of start thinking, oh, screw it, it doesn't matter. It's amazing how easier it is to build. Yeah. What's, your, what's your approach to building then? How, how are you bringing a crowd in? I think I've started, I'm still not that great at it yet. I've only been doing it about a month, but I've started building up to something big. And I think you've got to tell them exactly what to expect, which isn't normal for a magic show because you normally hide some things back and use a kind of power of suspense. But I think with this, you've got to tell them what's going to happen, what to expect and build up to something. So I started making half my body disappear in a, a big magical curtain. And uh, that's what I've started doing is telling them that I'm going to do that. But yeah, you just have to stand there and talk. If you start walking up to people, they think that you're trying to approach them. They get scared off. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Magic Sam was on the podcast as well, wasn't he? And he's obviously yeah. big into street performing. He's still there. Um, you mentioned that it's been a nice welcoming community. That's cool to hear because I think, you know, certainly if you go up um, to Edinburgh and if you were to try street performing then, there can be a lot of people who have flown halfway around the world to be performing. Um, they need to do X amount of street shows a day. Uh, they might have been rained off the day before. And it is very easy to get um, irritated if someone's just sort of there giving it a try for the first yeah. time in that setting but actually I found um Covent Garden to be extremely warm and welcoming uh, yeah so it's cool to hear that it's still that way yeah I think they like having new people on the pitch um because it adds a new dynamic to the group and obviously you've got to keep the pitch running even on the quieter days and that's a good time for new people to go out because you've got more time to keep trying new things and keep experimenting so yeah very welcoming very welcoming and I think listeners wise um we will have professional performers we will have sort of semi-professional performers we might have people with full-time day jobs who are trying to build up more gigs and I feel a lot of people do go to the Edinburgh Fringe which we're going to speak about a lot on this podcast because everyone that we have on it a guest will be going up to the fringe and the fringe is often a way where a lot of people I think go and they think if I can build on these 27 days and turn that into a career that would be awesome that's obviously how me and my brother did it we went up there with with day jobs for the first time and the shows went so well we were like Kane quit his job straight away I spent another year building up <laughs> quitting my job and yeah. then we were able to launch out the back of Edinburgh you did a similar thing last yes. year 
Um, how has that been? And if I am someone who is thinking I would desperately like to give up the day job and be a full-time performer, um, yeah. what was your key learnings from the last, is it 12 months or is it a little bit before Edinburgh that you... Um, I went, yeah, I went self-employed a few weeks before Edinburgh. So I think it's been about nine months and it's heading up to the full year then. Um, I think now at this point, I'm where I should have been last year when I went, when I was thinking about going self-employed. But of course, you don't know that until you do it. So it's very hard. Again, it is very much one of those unknown things where it's very hard to plan for everything. Um, I would say it's good to book things in as early as possible. What I did was I thought, right, I'll get my fringe shows ready. I'll go off to the fringe and I'll come back and then I'll start building up the corporate gigs more because I'm getting a fair few in, but are not enough. But I think actually pre-planning and getting things in place early before you quit the day job is a good thing. So maybe if you're looking into cruise work, start looking for contracts in that earlier on. Or I've now got a manager, uh, which has been a real game changer because they've got really good contacts. But looking for someone who's going to help you get that work. I thought I needed to do everything on my own, but I would say ask for help in the right places is the best piece of advice and get people in the industry that actually have the contacts that can find you those corporate gigs much more easily than you could yourself. So, yeah, I think you're never going to and have a good buffer as well, because you'll need money set aside for a rainy day if possible. Um, and then having street shows is a great way of making a little bit of extra money as well. So but instead of going self-employed and then having the pressure to need to do those and building that up as a big, scary thing, maybe start before you quit the day job and get those put in place. So, yeah, it's just pre-planning. Um, yeah. But also asking for help is the best thing to do, I think. Oh, 100%. I think, um, you know, I was very lucky. You know, Paul Debeck's a good mate of ours. He's obviously over now mm. in Cirque du Soleil. But when we decided to go full-time, he was great at being like well do you know what here's a contact I had from three four years ago that I'm kind of not doing those kind of shows anymore so you know yeah. get in touch with them sort of thing fringes I find a very useful like Brighton fringe to us yeah. is probably where we got most of our gear like our rural touring schemes and things like that all came from Brighton fringe just because it's a smaller festival yeah and you've got less competition there that's it. And I think it the old cliche is, you know, never underestimate how important every gig could be. Yeah. Yeah, and I, every contact as well. People just and people are very generous with their time and their contacts. So yeah, you can never underestimate one person and what they can help you with. Yeah, that's right. Like loads of people always ask us, you know, how how do how do I get into cruising? I've seen that you're doing loads of cruise gigs how can I do it and I'm like well the way that we got into it is it will not work for you because basically I spoke to a guy on the Royal Mile for two years in a row because our shows were on at the same time and every morning it would be like oh god can't we ask for this oh you know oh it's this oh you know and or like yeah we're gonna have really good shows today and we were always sort of chatting to each other he did a Frank Sinatra show Richard Shelton's his name and it just so happened that he had the last Sunday off and was free 
to come to our final show of The Fringe, which was a show designed to keep us out of the pub before seven o'clock. So yeah. we were doing Breaking the Magician's Code, which was the big sort of concept show, and that was touring all over the place. And then we were doing a show called The Card Players, which was basically just because we liked the painting by Paul Cezanne, but it had no theme or anything, and it was just us doing card <laughs> tricks downstairs at CC Bloom's. He came to that and went, would you mind if I introduce you to my cruise agent? And he said, yes, I would mind. How dare you? Yeah, yeah. how dare you, yeah. But then, then we probably spent two or three years doing other gigs for that agent before he stuck us on a ship. So, yeah, you know, everyone that you meet can lead to some sort of um, connection that, that, you know, yeah. could get you a good gig. And you'll probably find that you'll, it's, there's a long time gap before in between meeting someone and getting work for them like you were speaking to someone for two years you'll probably find that I've had gigs from people saying oh yeah six years ago you performed to me in this pub and then I suddenly needed a magician and lo and behold I still had your card in my wallet so yeah you've you'll get gigs from a long time beforehand if that yeah. makes sense oh 100 <laughs> but that's the annoying thing because it's like we've got you know, if if we have a few quiet weeks, that's the point when we're like, oh, I need a gig, I need a gig tomorrow. Mm. Um, and actually, I can get a gig in six months' time, no problem. But yeah, and I've I've done the the worst thing possible right now because at the beginning of the year, I was quite worried because work wasn't coming in as quickly as I expected. And then obviously, I got a manager, but you've got to build stuff up with them, and they've got to start advertising you, so it starts to trickle in for it starts coming in more quickly so I did the thing of panicking that I wasn't getting enough work spending my time panicking as opposed to finishing all the show writing and stuff I needed to do and now the work's coming in and I've now got two months to finish four different shows <laughs> and now I'm panicking because the work's coming in but I need to write everything so sometimes it's about holding your nerve I think it is yeah and it's like you know, it, it can be tempting actually to be like, oh, I'm going to go back and get a temping job or yeah. do X, Y, and Z. But actually, you do need the you need the full hours and the full week at home to be constantly looking on Eventatron or yeah. uh, the Arts Council or whatever to see what these opportunities are that you'll miss if you're doing a nine to five, coming home and then, um, you know, cooking tea and chilling yeah. out. And <laughs> Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we need to, uh, oh, let's talk about your Edinburgh show first, yes. and then we will um, talk a little bit more about Absurd and introduce a new sort of segment of these podcasts, which yeah. is based on a hugely popular segment. Oh, everyone loves that. <laughs> um, you came up with the idea, but I took full credit for it as host, and that was the best bit about it. That's it. Yeah, but it sounds better in your accent, so... In a few yeah. moments, we are going to be playing a game that we have not ripped off from a very popular TV oh, no. show. We are going to be playing, what's the game called, Ava? Would me lie to ye? That, that, I've never heard of anything similar to that before in my life. But no, man, I don't know. I don't know how you came up with the idea. I don't know where it came from. 
Have you heard that song, Incredible Thoughts, by The Lonely Island? No. That's That idea makes me... You'll have to go away and listen to it after this, but that's what that thought makes me think of. Well, I will do that. The other weird thing is, have you heard, uh, you know, Grimes? Uh, yeah. Um, who's married to Elon Musk? I didn't know that. I'm not very down with celebrity culture, but... Well, Grimes, her... I don't know if it was her first album or her second album, but had a really good album that I really liked. So yeah. then I started following Grimes' career. And now Grimes is married to Elon Musk. Okay. But they've said that you can, they've created this like AI website where you type some stuff in or you say some words and it creates a grime song. Oh, wow. So I'm going to see if I can use this to do the new theme song for oh my God, yeah. this podcast. And if that goes well, Potentially for absurd, a live cabaret panel. Yeah, um, I mean, we need jingles this year. You could do them all. That's the plan. So I'll give that a go, and if it goes awfully wrong, um, I will just uh, cut this bit out of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but talk about your talk about your solo Edinburgh show, and then let's let's kick on with would would me like to ye. <laughs> Yeah, it does sound better in my accent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good attempt. Um, so my show is on at 12.35pm. What I'm hoping in the afternoon, what I'm hoping is it will be the first show that people go to in their day of the Fringe uh, at the Voodoo Room Speakeasy. Um, it's on every day from the 5th to the 27th of August for the full fringe, apart from Wednesdays, as we said before. And the name of the show, which I actually have to read off a sheet of paper, I will get this down, is A Magician with Conflicting Personalities Tries to Keep Control on Stage, in brackets, popcorn included. <laughs> and it basically does what it says on the tin. Yeah. Well, there's. I mean, we, we've already discussed you being a magician. So yes. that bit we don't need to dive into anymore. Um, conflicting personalities. Tell us about those. So in lockdown, I was trying to separate my corporate shows with my stage shows. And I thought I'd call my stage character Bo and then my corporate gigging character Ava. But then basically that got developed, that idea developed into two characters. So now I do all my um, kind of theatrical stage shows with two characters. So I've got Ava, who's me, sort of socially acceptable magician or magish. And uh, then we've got Bo, who's basically the alter ego, who's dressed as a witch and she comes out and appears and creates havoc on stage. Last year, she uh, she tried to juggle eggs unsuccessfully. Um, she caused Ava to have a bit of a mental breakdown on stage and yeah, so it's fun to watch, but then also it's obviously quite a meaningful show. So it's about self-acceptance and all of those nice things. So Ava, lovely, cute, adorable, Bo, <laughs> little prick. Yeah, but everyone, the audience love Bo more. I did it yeah. for the first time last year and Bo does it si perform silently and the audience just love her. Um, but yeah, I'd never, I'd never performed silently on stage, and the tension you can cut with a knife is great. You can really build up big moments with that. And then last year, I finished the show by building up 
a set of light boxes on stage. We turned the lights down. We had these light boxes and we had a narrator telling a story. But this year I've developed some different, a different type of shadow art. So I'm excited to share that with everyone. Oh, that's cool. What with shadow art, do you, is there like someone that you've gone to to learn it in a book or the internet or you just sort of being like, well, I know how a shadow works and <laughs> this is what I'm going to do? So last year, no, it was very makeshift. I basically got, it got a bit weird actually because I was looking for cardboard boxes and they're too, they were very expensive to buy online. So I was basically going to supermarkets and finding different boxes. But soon, you'll notice this now as soon as you find a few cardboard boxes you'll realize that down streets and everything supermarkets have got loads that they're leaving everywhere so it got a bit weird because every time I saw a cardboard box when I was out with my partner or something I'd want to pick it up and carry it home because I was trying to collect enough of them (laughs) he'd be like no don't look at the box uh but yeah I basically cut out holes in the boxes added paper silhouettes and then put baking paper behind it and then added fairy lights. But this year I have actually gone to an online course and learned how to do something a bit of, yeah, a, a bit better, a bit more sort of professional. Profesh. Profesh. Profesh magish. Lovely. Right. Okay. Uh, and obviously um, we are on in the same room, the Buddha rooms, Cain and Abel, yeah. magician twin possible, at 2.45. So people can come and watch a magician with conflicting personality. Tries to keep control on stage, popcorn included. Yeah. Then they can watch Magician to Impossible. And then when they think, bloody hell, those shows, (laughs) I wish all three of them were doing something together with other people. They can romp down to um, Absurd Alive Cabaret Panel Show, which is not in an Indian restaurant this year. No, it's in Whistlebinkies. Yeah, whereas last year we were in an Indian restaurant. So the one game that we didn't plan was how long can we get through the show before the... Um... Blender. But the, the blender goes off. Yeah, the chef starts blending nuts or whatever <laughs> in the show, which we're obviously highly allergic to. Yeah. And that was one of my favourite moments last year when Kane lobbed a bag of nuts at you. You didn't, in fairness, you didn't realise I was allergic to them. But they did break open on me. Yeah. But this is how competitive the show gets. It gets dangerous sometimes. People really want to win the points. Yeah, manslaughter attempts. Yeah. And everything. <laughs> um, so let's play now to help maybe, you know, to let, let people get get to know you and I a little bit better as oh, we're yeah. be taking them on this sort of month-long, few-month-long journey to Edinburgh um, by playing... Would me lie to ye? And I can't wait to see what Grimes, uh, what our Grimes song sounds like. Would you like to go first with your three facts, one of which is a lie? Okay. Two of which are true. I did realise when I was thinking of these, though, that as you pointed out the fringe last year, I don't have a poker face. So this can be difficult, but I'm, I'm going to cover the screen. No, no, I've got this. I've got okay. this. Number one, fact number one, I once stripped down to my underwear on stage just to win an air fryer. There you go. It's fact number one. Should I, should we do, should we go fact by fact or 
Shall I hear all three facts and then... Do you want to hear all three facts first? Just so you know what you're playing with. Yeah, and then on. I'll let you ask me questions about anyone you want. Fantastic. Fact number two. I once had to chat to the police after everyone was worried my friends had been taken by the Russian mafia. That's fact number two for you. <laughs> fact number three. I once got my head stuck in the railings at the Roman baths. The Roman baths in... Ah, sorry. In Bath. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, let's let's start with fact number one. My mm. first question is, when did this happen? So, it happened when I was at university in Bristol. In what year? In... It was my last year of university. You're going to make me do maths now. And I was just turned 24. It was my birthday night. So that was like four years ago. Four yeah. years ago. Okay. I mean, I hadn't heard of an air fryer until about <laughs> 10 months ago. They were new. It was an exciting prize. <laughs> um, and I didn't, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't really know what one was, but I was very drunk and I really wanted... I just got competitive, basically. So you had to strip down to your underwear. So basically it was, shall I, it was, I used to work in a gay bar in Bristol. And we used to do on student nights on Wednesdays, they used to be wild Wednesdays. There used to be a drag show and they'd get four people on stage and they'd, a bit like us, they'd get people competing um, to sort of, to win this prize so four people would compete and then it would go down to three and then it would go down to two and then they do one last challenge to see who was going to win the prize aka in this example an air fryer and I don't even like air fryers if I'm honest but when I was drunk it was my birthday I'd been bought quite a few drinks I decided that I was going to go for it so when they just said first person to be in their underwear on stage I went for it and you and won, won the air fryer I won yeah and what have you cooked in the air fryer since oh everything <laughs> cooked uh potatoes maybe veg based things I don't really trust it with meat as much it's not the but it's not the most high tech of air fryers when I got it back it wasn't that exciting and now we don't have it anymore because when we moved to London we decided that it wasn't going to come with us to our new uh, small flat. Convenient. Even though you probably moved into your flat when air fries became cool and trendy. Yeah, but we were ahead of the trend and we decided that we went, we didn't really enjoy it that much. It's, it's, not, it's not the fastest, most efficient thing. But, yeah, My nan's got one. And it's very useful for her because she is uh, losing her vision. So yeah. um, cooking everything on the hob, um, mm. home alone, was <laughs> creating some, you know, funny sitcom scenarios. Yeah. But we were like, how long until Nan burns the house down? Yeah. So um, she's got an air fryer now. She loves it. Right. Okay. I'm, I'm suspicious of that story. Oh. Yeah. Um and what happened with the Russian mafia? So this was when I was even younger. It was my first night out clubbing. 
We're in the uh, big town of Guildford. Crazy, oh, yeah. crazy town. Yes, and uh, we basically we met these guys in a nightclub for eighteen, and they offered to buy us lots of shots of tequila. I realised that these both these stories don't put me in the best light, uh, but we were <laughs> we were having a great time. Ava Bosch will do anything for a shot of tequila or an air fryer. Yeah, anything, and uh, the, uh, within reason. My friend uh, took quite a, I think she took quite a liking to one of these these guys and uh, she wanted to go back to his, to their house for an after party. And I said, no, this is, this sounds like a bad idea. Even the little voice in my drunken brain, drunken 18 year old brain is going, something about this doesn't sound like a great idea. So I said no, but she was determined to go. So my other friend decided to go with her to make sure she was all right. And it wasn't until they'd left in a private car that we thought maybe this probably isn't the best idea. And then both of their mobile phones died. So the mum of one of the girls came to collect me and our the other friends that were staying over at this friend's house and basically said where are they and we said they've gone off with two russian guys and we didn't know whether they'd either gone to chobham or they'd gone to cobham russia. yeah <laughs> they're in russia now <laughs> and i was the only one who knew whether it was chobham or cobham but i couldn't remember so the police asked me a lot of questions and they were basically trying to go but if you had to put money on it where should we look for them? And I, I was like, I'm pretty sure it's this one, but I can't guarantee that. Uh, so it ended up in a very stressful night. And then they came home of their own accord at probably about 4am in the morning after having a few drinks and it was absolutely fine. But they'd yeah. had a mansion, these people, and that's why they were buying shots. They were very rich. Yeah. They'd had a mansion and a private car that had come to collect them. And I think the private car then dropped the two friends back. So it was all very lovely. Yeah. Okay. So when you first said all three of those, the third one seemed the most likely to have happened. But run me over your third story one more time. You got your head caught in a gate or a fence? No, a railings. Some railings. <laughs> hey, railings. Uh, in Bath and the Roman and the Roman baths. <laughs> um, how old were you I was young I was I don't really have a recollection of this memory all that I know is what we were on a uh, little day trip or weekend trip I don't know to Bath or Bath Bath and uh, I've got to appease everyone north south and in between on, on this podcast I've got a people please um on this podcast and I I was an inquisitive curious child and we were looking in the actual baths the uh bit with the water and there was a nice little mosaic pattern I was born to be a creative and I went in to take a closer look as I went in my head was clearly small enough to fit through these railings so I went through them and then, of course, when I went back to get out, I found that I couldn't. 
I don't think, by the sounds of the way my mum tells the story, I panicked. I don't think I did. I think I was quite calm. Yeah. Situation. An adult will free me from this uh, position. But my dad isn't very good in emergency situations, by the sounds of this. And he went, uh, Karen! Karen! Shouting for my mum. That's all he did. He didn't try and help me out. He just screamed at her. And this American couple were there apparently going, oh, my God. <laughs> Saying that we needed to call the fire brigade and sort my head out of the railings. But she logically thought, if it's gone one way, it's got to be able to come out the other. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a lady who herself has had her head caught in some railings. Um, so what and did she do? Come back with packs of butter no i think i don't think any butter was involved i think she literally managed to angle my head at the right very what the right way and very slowly managed to inch it back out i don't know maybe this is 90s parenting you just yank it back out yeah hope for the best uh but yeah she managed to get it back out okay i believe that my initial hunch was that air fryers have not been around long enough for you to for them to be a prize in a drag quiz in a gay bar four years ago did we say yeah yeah yeah, That's it for, yeah four years ago okay so i'm gonna say i mean if You're gonna ride last week, a hundred percent. I would say up and down the United Kingdom right now, drag queens are giving away air fryers as prizes. But <laughs> four years ago, Ish don't think so. So I'm saying that the um the air fryer is the lie. Okay, so you're going for number one. Number one. And you think that I my friends got potentially kidnapped by Russian Mafia and that I got my head stuck in the railings. I think you were 100% got your head stuck in the railing. And I would say the story, which how I would report it is you got some free shots. Two of your mates went to a mansion for a few hours. The yeah. only unbelievable point about that is that they went to this lovely mansion, free drinks, and then just went, nah, not for us, and left. I haven't delved too much about the Russian gentlemen. Were they, what were they? Footballers? Russian rock stars? To this day, I do not know. No. <laughs> can reveal. Which makes me think maybe the Russians are made up and you've just sort of been like... <laughs> I'm going to stick with my hunch. Because if the air fryer is a lie and I switch to it being the truth, I'm going to be very upset. Okay. I can reveal, dramatic music inserted, that you're bloody right. <laughs> it was the air... I know. I oh, yeah. Baby. Baby gets it right. Baby knows. I'm very happy with that. I know. I'm really annoyed about that because... My I'm the king said... of quiz. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
my uh, celebratory coffee and everything. My partner said, I don't think that's a believable lie because I don't think that Lawrence will think you'd strip on stage. I thought I mean, that was the, the most unbelievable bit of that story, but I thought... I doubted it, to be honest, but the air fryer <laughs> was even more unbelievable. Do you think if I changed it to, I don't know, a George Foreman grill, you would more have... Believable. Been... More believable. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed in myself, to be honest. Um, but what I have realised is that it's actually quite hard to come up with these on the spot. I thought about that for a while. So the fact that we ask our audience to do this and they do so well, is testament to the people that come to our show. They do very well. And we had some very good lies. I can't even remember. There was one day, though, when we had the most boring audience and their lies were so yeah. dull. Yeah. But, it's always Yeah. But we have had some very good ones. Would you like to hear my, my three facts about myself? Would I ever? Yeah. I'm going to say a very naughty word. Okay. But I'm going to bleep. I'm going to bleep it out. You're going to bleep it, okay. But just so you're prepared, it's the worst word. Okay? Are you, are you, are you ready? I'm ready. I've put my tea down. Ready. <laughs> yeah, put all hot drinks down. Right. Fact number one. Mickey Flanagan, when I was recording a Channel 4 pilot TV show with him, called me... Hey! True, true. true. <laughs> Fact true. number two. Yeah, true. <laughs> hear them all, hear them all. Fact number two, Jack Black said I was cool. Lie. Fact three, Prince William said I was cleverer than his dad at Magic Tricks. Wow, that's quite, a, I love it. You've got the name drop central over here. Two are true, one's a lie. Which one? Okay, so first one, what TV show, I'm guessing this was ages ago, so you're allowed to talk about it now. What TV yeah. show were you filming with Mickey Flanagan? Yeah, just just take a long sip of your coffee to to to, to think about how you can help yourself. That's my poker face. Yeah, coffee coffee mug in face. So, um, the pilot TV show was called "Is It Just Me," okay. and I was originally <laughs> cast as the magician. Okay, but when I got there. I didn't look enough like a magician. Oh. So they had another magician, who I won't name, who was in, like, magic. He had, like, a tie with cards on and a waistcoat and stuff. He since looked a lot cooler, but then he was very much typical. But that's probably how they asked him to look. Whereas I just turned up in my normal clothes, what I bought specially from Urban Outfitters. Oh. And they and this would have been 2012. Okay. And then they got to know me and they were like, Do you know what? You're just a nice guy. 
So they had this group of 50 people who were all something. So there was a drag queen on it who was referred to as, oh, no, she isn't. And then there was a magician. There was like Jack the Lad. There was all these things. And then I was a nice guy. And basically, celebrities would come on and they would tell a story and be like, is it just me? And tell the story. But then all of us 50 people had our interesting stories. So I told my story and Mickey Flanagan responded by going, a nice guy, more like horrible. (laughs) And what was the story you told that made him say this? Well, make a bit more when i was at college and uh still a virgin a group of girls asked me if i was a virgin and because i was too embarrassed to admit that i was i said yeah but because i'm a jew and then (laughs) everyone was like oh okay that makes sense then i ended up going out with a girl that was in earshot and she thought i was jewish so then I would go to her house and her mum would make a big deal of like removing all of the like pork products from the house. And they were all like, oh, do you want to come around Saturday morning? Obviously you can't come around Friday night. And they'd gone into like loads of research and just presumed that oh I was Jewish. Now there is, some, there is some Jewish heritage in my family. So it's not too big of a lie. But at that point in my life, I was eating I was eating pork sausages like nobody's business. <laughs> like it was going out of fashion. Yeah. Um, so which it now is out of fashion. It now is, yeah. Um what so that that part of the story is definitely true, regardless of the fact that you pretended you were Jewish. 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 Yeah. Wow. Okay, okay. Um, the second one. So, who said you were cool? Jack Black. Jack Black. And why did he? Why the hell did he say you were cool? I was at a tenacious gig show. Okay, that Magic, is quite cool. With nice. Magic Sam. Cool. And Magic Sam is friends with the guitarist in Tenacious D. I think that this bit is true because I think I think he's told me about this yeah. and he's also friends with quite a lot of guitarists it seems Magic Sam knows people yeah have okay. I constructed this lie based on your previous knowledge of that <laughs> um, so obviously Magic Sam and I and Missy were hanging around backstage after the gig Jack Black came up to talk to us and I was wearing a t-shirt that said Devil in the Deck, which is my other friend, Paul Nathan's magic show. And he went, that's a cool t-shirt. So he didn't call you cool, he called a t-shirt cool. Inadvertently, he called me, indirectly, he called me cool. That's a cool, but the words were verbatim, that's a cool t-shirt. Yeah, and you're wearing it, so you're obviously a cool man, is what he presumed to say. Okay. Was the gig good? Fantastic. Yeah, really good. Go and, and have... do it anytime you want. And actually, Jack did say, 
anytime I'm in town, you let me know. Tickets are on us. Wow. And he, uh-huh. said, he even went as far as saying, because he was like, oh, it's that show on in London. And I was like, no, it's my friend in San Francisco. And he went, whenever we're in San Fran, you tell your friends, hook us up. We'll get him in. Wow. That was impressive. And have you done their most famous song on karaoke? No. You haven't? No. The only song I've done on karaoke is um, like uh, New York State of Mind. Okay. Because my mate was like, you do the, is it Alicia Keys? I don't know. You do her. Oh, that song. Yeah. You do her bit. You do her bit and I'll rap. And I was like, I thought it was a rap song. But actually, it's a lot of work from Alicia Keys or whoever it is. There's some notes in that song, yeah. Yeah, so I had to do that. What is that? What is Tenacious D? What's the song called? I've forgotten it. Best song in the world. Yeah, that's not. But it's actually called that. Tribute. Yeah, I've done that on karaoke. It was it killed. Which is a good burger at the Colab. Sorry. The Colab restaurant in Walthamstow. Okay. There's a tribute burger and it's very good. Oh, nice. And uh, but you can't eat it because it's pork based. So uh, <laughs> but it kept it up to this day. Yeah. Beef. This is. Oh, sorry. It's beef. It... Beef. Does she know that? Does she know that this is all a lie? Uh, oh, she knows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's just say she found out. Did it cause a breakup? The the truth came out, Ava. <laughs> the truth came out. Wow. And I reckon now she uses this story in her. Would ye lie to me? Things. I once dated a guy who pretended he was Jewish. Yeah. Okay. And uh, number three uh, was Prince William yep. said that you were cleverer at magic tricks or better magic tricks. I'm guessing Prince William didn't use the word cleverer. Um. So... My brother and I were doing magic for the FA uh-huh. at the Women's FA Cup final. Nice. Exciting. And Prince William was handing out the trophy. Mm-hmm. So we were doing the magic at the sort of end of, like, after match thing. And we were like, well, we won't approach Prince William because he's the prince. But... <laughs> One of his like handlers people when we were doing the trick to um someone else was like, Oh, you should show that to William. And I was like, Well, okay. So then we went over and we were like, Oh, we're the magicians. And he was like, Oh, brilliant. And we were like, Oh, and your dad is in the magic circle. And he's like, He is. And we were like, So has he does he ever do tricks for you? And he's like, he has done in the past. And we're like, well, this, this is what we do. So we showed him a trick and he said, that's m- much more clever <laughs> than the tricks that my dad does. Okay. That's a big story. It's a big claim. They're all big stories. 
Wow. So you, apparently you're better at magic than the king. Yeah. What are you saying? Yeah. I mean, that is indisputable. Well, yeah, I would I would agree with this. Yeah. And uh, it's not, I feel bad saying it. He's not Tweedian. Is he's not a he's not a professional magician. He's not professional a professional magician. Like you. Magician. Um, he's <laughs> better at everything. Yeah like receiving lots of garments to wear in coronation ceremonies. Ceremonies. Yeah. Okay. This is a tough one. See, my mind's going, but I think, I feel like the second one would be a good one to create as a lie. Jack Black. Because you would you've really backed that up with evidence that I would think is true if it is a lie. But then, oh, I don't know about the third one, but that's that's a great story that I want to be true. We have to okay, um I hate calling it, I hate making decisions. I'm gonna say I don't know why I'm not questioning the first one, but I feel like no. <laughs> oh God! Okay, it's gonna be annoying because you got it right, and I know I'm not gonna get it right. That will be annoying for you, yeah. Because if you don't, I mean, if you don't find out my lie, I am better than you. <laughs> so. This is why I host the show as opposed to compete in it, because I know that I wouldn't last a run of the Edinburgh Fringe being competitive, because it would eat me up inside, especially if I wasn't in the lead. Um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say number two. I'm gonna say number two is a lie. The Jack Black one. I can confirm that I did meet Jack Black after a Tenacious D gig that I went to with Magic Sam. And not only did he say that the shirt I was wearing was cool, but he hugged me. Wow. And um, I do have an open invite to every Tenacious D gig. But did he say you were cool? He said that was cool <laughs> shirt. So which one is, which one is the lie? It's the last one. Oh, why did I believe that? <laughs> it was the last one. Um, yeah. Good lie. I think it was a good lie because some people must do magic to Prince William. I Yeah. It's just not us. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't question anything. But I didn't question the security problems that you'd have with that. I was I invited over in the line. You were invited over. Thank you for making me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, don't, don't say that about yourself. You're not an idiot. <laughs> you're not gullible. Yeah. You are not gullible. You're not. You are not stupid. I won't hear you say that. <laughs> I won't hear you say that about my friend. <laughs> 
Oh, well, well done. And it, it was hidden in plain sight all along because the lie was the king. You were giving me clues and everything. It Such was, a wish. The lie was the king. Wind it back, guide. The king mug was in the video all along. Uh, and behind uh, here is Jack Black. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. So there it is. That was the debut edition of... Would me lie to you? We will, of course, be playing Would Me Lie to Ye every day at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, apart from Saturday nights, because that's when we like to get crazy. At 6.30 at Whistle Binkies, you can see us there performing that. But over the next few weeks, we will be talking to more people who will be performing at Absurd this year or have performed at Absurd in the past, when they will be trying to trick us and fool us as we play. Would me... <laughs> Hi to you.